Daniel chapter 12. The book of Daniel chapter 12. The word soul winning is not commonly used anymore. But there was a time when a man named Charles Spurgeon used that word. In fact, he wrote a book called The Soul Winner, which I would highly recommend for reading in 2021. Horatius Bonar, another godly man in the 1800s in Scotland. In 1860, Horatius Bonar wrote a book entitled Words to Winners of Souls. These are not the only men, because even in the Bible, King Solomon spoke about winning souls. In Proverbs 11.30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and the one who wins souls is wise. Jesus was a soul winner. Can you think of any of the people whose souls he won? Name some. Who are some of the people whose souls Jesus won? Peter. Peter. Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. The thief on the cross. Matthew. The woman at the well. Paul the apostle. He returned from heaven in a vision. Nicodemus, the woman at the well, the rich young ruler. Jesus was a constant evangelist, keeping his eyes open, his heart attuned to sinners all around him. And I want to to direct your attention at the end of 2020 to soul winning. I want you to be a soul winner from every child to the oldest adult. No matter what your skill was in 2020, I want you to be a soul winner in 2021. I want you to lead sinners to Christ. And so I would have you direct your attention to a book that is written about the times of the Gentiles. Daniel is a prophetic book that is different from all the other books of prophecy. The other books of prophecy deal with the nation of Israel, except for Jonah and Obadiah. But Daniel deals with the times of the Gentiles. There are very few references to the future glory of Israel, as we sang about just now. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. That will happen, and Isaiah speaks of that, and Jeremiah, and Ezekiel, and Hosea, and Joel, and Amos, and Zechariah, and Malachi. But Daniel, not so much. He would tell us about the times of the Gentiles. Those times are happening right now. And so at the end of his book, he has a message for Gentiles. And you are a Gentile. I am a Gentile. That is not a physical blood descendant of Abraham. In chapter 10 in the book of Daniel, Daniel sees a terrifying angel. Chapter 10, verses 5 to 9, Daniel sees an angel, and the sight is so terrifying to Daniel that he actually falls on his face 
like he is a dead man. And that reminds us that angels are not something to be trifled with. In fact, nothing that has been near to Christ is something merely for our entertainment. When Moses had got near to God, men could not even talk with him. They were blinded by the shining of his face. In Daniel chapter 10, the angel is so shining, so terrifying that Daniel passes out. Then the angel raises up Daniel and gives him a long vision from chapter 10, 11, and 12. These are the vision that the angel reveals to Daniel. And in Daniel 12, he gives the closing words. And these closing words have a lot to do with the end times. Look at chapter 12, verse 1. At that time, Michael will stand up. Look down further in verse 1. And there will be a time of trouble. Keep going in verse 1. And at that time, your people will be delivered. What time? What time, angel? Look at verse 2. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. Oh, just before the final resurrection. That's the time. Just before those who are in the graves come out of the graves. That's the time. Look at verse number 4. Daniel shut up these words and sealed the book to the time of the end. Look for that word end throughout this chapter. Verse 6. To the end of these wonders. Verse 9. The time of the end. Verse 13. The end. Verse 13. The end of days. Chapter 12 is dealing with the end of time. Chapter 12 is dealing with the time when men will come out of graves. Which is one more reason why you should not think much of this world. Because you're not going to stay in this world very long. You're going to go into a grave and then you're going to come out of it. And then you will rise either to everlasting disgrace and shame. Or as verse 2 says, to everlasting life. But this prophet gives us a hint for the last days. We are in the last days right now. 1 John 2 verse 18 says... We are in the last days. It is the last time right now. How do you know? 1 John 2 says so. What should you do? Do what Daniel says. What does he say? And the answer is, Daniel tells us in verse 3, the stars in heaven will be the soul winners on earth. That's the whole point of the message. The stars in heaven 
will be made up of those who were the soul winners here on earth. And so I'd like us to look at verse 3. And they that be wise will shine as the brightness of the firmament, and those that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Three points today that I would draw your attention to at the close of 2021. First of all, I'd like to give you three descriptions of a soul winner. Or, other words, we'll answer the question, what does it mean to be a soul winner? And I would challenge some of you who have even gone through a class on soul winning. Do you understand clearly what it means to win souls? That's the first point in the message. Three descriptions of a soul winner. Number two. Four reasons to win souls, or in other words, answer to this question, why? Why should I be a soul winner? Now, at this point, when we answer this and give these four reasons, they'll come straight from the passage. (coughs) But the power of the message will be in you dedicating your heart to think about those reasons. You may have heard of them before, but have you meditated on them? And number three, our third point of the day, four practices to win souls. Or our third question, how can I be a soul winner? So those three points are, what does it mean to be a soul winner? The meaning. Why should I be a soul winner? The motives. How can I be a soul winner? The methods. Three, four, and four. Let's understand those. Beginning at our first question, what does it mean to be a soul winner? Look down at verse 3. What's the most obvious definition of a soul winner in verse 3? Everyone look down. Look at your Bibles. What's the most obvious definition of a soul winner from verse 3? To lead people to righteousness. Let me tell you, it is not enough to bring someone to church. That might be a good beginning, but that is not evangelism. It is certainly not evangelism to lead someone in a prayer. It is not evangelism. It is not soul winning to pray with someone merely. Going to church... Or being involved in religious activities is not sufficient. Because this passage says, true soul winning turns people from darkness to light. That is why we take time before we baptize children. We want to be sure that your soul is one. We want to know for sure you have turned from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. To receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith. That's Acts 26, verse 18. True soul winning is turning someone from darkness into the light. True soul winning is that which creates new desires in the heart of a sinner. You know that you have won a soul when their heart loves new loves. If you have never spoken to someone and prayed with someone so that they love Jesus Christ more than this world, you've never won a soul. 2 Corinthians 5.17 If any man is in Christ, 
He is a new creature, new creation. True soul winning results in a love for Jesus. 1 Peter 1 verse 8. True soul winning produces a man who is zealous for good works. True soul winning makes a man hunger and thirst after righteousness. Matthew 5 verse 6. True soul winning follows the pattern of the Great Commission, which teaches men to obey everything that Jesus commanded. That is, if you are a soul winner, you will be actively involved in making disciples of Christ. It's not enough to see a man pray or be baptized. You are not content until that man's roots are deeply in Christ, until his mind and his heart are in heaven, until his sins are forgiven, until his old sins have passed, until his habits are new, until he reads the Bible with joy and zeal, until he can say through tears, Christ has found me and I'm born again. That is what it means to be a soul winner. Soul winning that does not produce righteousness and holiness produces a lie. If you become a Christian without deep heart change, then your Christianity is false Christianity. Because what does it mean to be a soul winner from verse 3? Tell me, what does it mean? To lead many to righteousness. That's the first description, but there's more. Look in verse 3. And those who are wise. Do you see that phrase? Keep going in verse 3. Those who are wise and those who turn many to righteousness. Those are parallel. That is, the wise ones are the ones who turn people to righteousness. Verse 3 talks about the same group of people under two names. The group who is wise and the group who is turning many to righteousness are the same group. Do you see that? Look at verse 3. Those who are wise will shine. Those who turn many to righteousness will be like stars. Ah, this is Hebrew poetry. Hebrew meditation and imagination to show the first line and the second line rhyme. That is, they're both describing the same group of people. So soul winners are those who lead many into righteousness, but soul winners are those who are wise. If you have the New American Standard Bible, your Bible says, those who have insight. Perhaps you have a Bible that has a margin, a note in the margin that says the word teacher. Does your Bible say teacher in the margin? Look down at your Bible at verse 3. Beside the word wise, is is there a number that says teacher or instructor? I believe the ESC, oh, the ESC doesn't have one. The New King James does, the NASB, the NIV That word wise is used in chapter 11, verse 33. You're right here in chapter 12. Look back at chapter 11, verse 33. You're right there. You're so close. Look at 1133. It's the same Hebrew word. And those that understand among the people shall teach many. Do you see that? Those who understand among the people will teach many. That's the exact same Hebrew word as in chapter 12, Verse 3. 
is found again in chapter 11, verse 35. You see, the wise people in chapter 12, verse 3, are teachers. You are not a soul winner unless you are a teacher. To be a Christian is to learn doctrine. I hope that none of you will ever be confused thinking all churches with the same name are the same. As if every church that says the word Baptist is the same. Or even worse, every group of religious people that calls themselves a church is the same. No, you see, soul winners are teachers because there are some things that are inside Christianity and there are some things that are outside. If you say that Jesus is the spirit brother of Lucifer, you have taught something that is outside Christianity. But in this country, there are groups of people who call themselves churches who teach what I just said, that Jesus is the spirit brother of Lucifer. I passed one of those buildings that had the word church on the side in Cape Town. I've passed one of them in Johannesburg. They teach Jesus is the spirit brother of Lucifer, and people will walk into that building because it's a beautiful building, there's many of them around the world. Or what about this? In this town, on this street in Louis Tricart, not even a kilometer from where I speak, is a church that denies that Jesus Christ is God. It's not a church, but it calls itself a church. It has a beautiful sign and a beautiful new building. I have evangelized a man who went there. And he said, oh yeah, our pastor doesn't believe that. Oh, that's a major issue. You see, soul winners have to teach some things and deny other things. Now, I chose those two examples because I knew that when I say that, you would all sympathetically listen and nod your heads. But what about this? What about the groups in this town that call themselves churches that say, if you are a Christian, you can set your heart on money. In this town, the majority of the buildings that call themselves churches do not teach, humble yourself, repent of your sin, put up your treasures in heaven. They say, walk like a king. And when they say that, they mean buy an expensive suit. They say drive like a child of the king. And when they say that, they mean get an expensive car that you can't afford, go into debt so that you can't pay for your children, and get a big car so that everyone will think you're not one of the poor blacks from the village. You're a rich guy. You're a clever guy. That's love of this world. And remember, 1 John 2.15, do not love the world or the things in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You have no hope if you are in a church that does not teach that verse. You have not been evangelized. You are lost. And if you want to evangelize this year, you must tell people a good deal of uncomfortable truth. If you would lead others to Christ, you must teach them what justification is. 
sanctification, redemption, propitiation. If they do not understand those doctrines, how will they ever believe on Christ? I sometimes like to ask pastors when I meet men who call themselves pastors, what do you teach at your church? And sometimes I'll even ask them, what do you teach about the doctrine of redemption? And I ask them that because I know for the most part they are false pastors and they don't even know what redemption means. So I say, what do you teach about redemption? And they will stutter out some foolish answer. Oh, we teach redemption is to be redeemed and to be redeemed. But they don't know it means, Titus 2 verse 14, to be purchased back from the power of sin. Ephesians 1 verse 7, they don't know that the active agent was Christ who purchased with his blood souls from their bondage to sin. They don't know what propitiation is. They couldn't even put a sentence together that says it is the removing of the Father's wrath. There's a third thing, a third description of a soul winner. So if you want to evangelize this year, I'm telling you, you need to lead someone to righteousness and teach them something. Number three, you must do something else. In verse three, it says, those who are wise, that word, that Hebrew word wise, maskalim, is used in chapter one to describe Daniel in verse four, when Daniel refused refused to eat the king's meat. And again in chapter 1 verse 17, when Daniel and his friends would not eat the king's meat, the Bible says they were the wise ones, the insightful ones. If you would be a soul winner, you must love God more than the culture around you. A soul winner is a man who has a certain kind of soul himself. A soul winner is a man whose life does not match the culture. There's a lot of talk these days about contextualization. There's a lot of talk these days about being as much like the people as possible. But the Bible says if you would be a soul winner, then you must be wise And Daniel was wise because he was different from the culture around him. Question number two. Why should I be an evangelist? Why should I be a soul winner? And this is really the heart of the message today. Why should I be a soul winner? Look at verse three. Let me give you four reasons why you should be a soul winner. Number one, so that you would be wise. Would you rather be known as the greatest athlete in the world or as the smartest man in the world? Only a young boy would say the greatest athlete. Everyone, when they mature, recognizes that the powers of the body are not as great as the powers of the mind. Everyone recognizes That pride of intellect is more powerful than pride of physical power. Because at our core, we are souls. 
and this body will last 70 years and be gone. But our soul will live on forever with the new body. But in this verse, the angel tells Daniel, if you really want to be a wise man, then be an evangelist. When you exercise, you make a temporary improvement. But when you sharpen your mind, you make a permanent improvement because your mind will go with you into heaven. This body will not go with you. Remember, they will sleep in the dust of the earth. This body will not. They will be raised and given new bodies. But your mind, the same mind will go with you. So how then can you be wise? What what do you know about wisdom? What's, What's the beginning of wisdom? Tell me. What's the beginning of wisdom? The fear of God. Proverbs 9 verse 10. If you're thinking the fear of God is the beginning of knowledge, that's Proverbs 1 verse 7. But Proverbs 9 verse 10 says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom begins with the fear of God, but wisdom reaches its maturity when you evangelize. You have begun on the path of wisdom, young men, when you fear God. But you have reached a level of maturity when you give yourself to evangelism. When you are a soul winner. Being a soul winner is greater than all these because it is the collection of all the marks of wisdom throughout the book of Proverbs. Second reason. So why should you be a soul winner? Number one, to be wise. If you want to be wise, be an evangelist. Second reason. Verse number three says, they that be wise will shine and those who turn many to righteousness. Verse two says, they will wake up to everlasting life. The second reason, the second motive is to save eternal souls. A soul winner brings men to everlasting life. They are born in shame and disgrace. Do you see that in verse two? Shame and disgrace is waiting for them. But you can save them from shame and disgrace if you are a soul winner. Let me just ask you, have you no pity for those who will live forever in shame and disgrace, the angel says. But the angel in Revelation 14 says... The smoke of their torment ascends up forever and ever. And they have no rest day or night. Revelation 20 says a lake of fire. Our Lord Jesus says the worm does not die and the fire cannot be quenched. The words eternal and everlasting describe this place. The second reason to be a soul winner is to save eternal souls. Listen to these words from Horatius Bonar, the man that I referenced earlier today. Quote, He that saved our souls has taught us to weep over the unsaved. Lord, let that mind be in us that was in you. Give us tears to weep. Lord, our hearts are hard toward our fellow men. We see thousands perish around us, and our sleep is never disturbed. No vision of their awful doom scares us. No cries from their lost souls 
turn us away from our peace. Why should you be an evangelist? To save eternal souls. Reason number three, verse three. Because an evangelist turns many to righteousness. Why should you be an evangelist? To increase righteousness. Our world is a dark place. How many times have you heard someone complain about the crime? How many times have you heard someone complain about dishonest businessmen? How many times have you heard a family member complain about that aunt or that uncle or that child or that daughter? That mother or that father, that brother or that sister? Oh, they're always doing this. They're always doing that. They're always trying to get money. They're always talking too much. They're always lying. We live in a dark place. But by soul winning, you actually bring men to a state of reformation, a state of civilization, a state of development, a state of lawful living. It is only the gospel, it is only evangelism that brings men out of paganism and barbarism. Outside of the gospel, men will kill each other and eat the remains. Outside of the gospel, men worship idols. They cut down a tree, take some wood, shape it, and after two weeks of fashioning that wood, they will bow down to it. That's how foolish and backward we are. They will talk to the idol that will not talk back to them, Psalm 115 says. They have eyes, but they can't see. They have ears, but they can't hear. Africans and Chinese and those in South America and many thousands of years ago in Europe, men will fear spirits that have passed on before them. They'll carry on traditional practices in fear. And the only solution for that is evangelism. The government cannot solve this. John MacArthur once wrote a book entitled, Why Government Cannot Save You. And we are so confused today to think government can save us. And one of the worst things about the response to COVID-19 is that all over the world, people have begun to trust more in the government. Or I hope they have begun not to trust it, seeing how foolish their responses have been. Doctors all across the world in January 2020 said not to worry about COVID. I'm not saying every doctor. I'm saying many doctors. Those same doctors three months later said, don't even walk outside your home. And doctors who disagree aren't allowed to speak for the government. The only way to solve the problem of the world is to increase righteousness. And the only way to increase righteousness is to turn many to righteousness. And that is the process of soul winning. Wherever poverty and ignorance reign, the only way to throw down those kings is to attack them with evangelism. You do not conquer poverty without evangelism. You do not conquer lack of development or lack of infrastructure without evangelism. It will always...
return back again like a dog returning to its vomit. But there is a fourth reason why you should evangelize. And it is the brightest reason in verse 3. Because those who evangelize become stars. Do you see that? That's the fourth reason. Why should you be an evangelist? What's the motive? Fourth motive. To become a star. To receive unending honor. They will shine brightly with the brightness of a star. Stars bear light like our solar system's sun. Boys. Stars bear light. Think about the five senses. Of your five senses... Taste, touch, smell, sight, hearing. Which one is dominant? Sight. It's the one you use most commonly. It's the one that would be most difficult to live without. But without light, eyes do nothing. The amazing complexity of the eye only works... In response to light, as the fuel of light comes into it, and the great majority of our light comes from a star. It's called the sun. But our sun is only one of billions and billions of stars. And our sun is called a dwarf star. Did you know that? It's one of the smallest of the stars. The sun that we have shining down on us right now is a dwarf star. The real stars, the larger stars, the giant stars are many hundreds and thousands of times larger than our sun. And this is the picture where God says he will reward his people when they evangelize by making them stars to beautify his universe. Angels are compared to stars. In Revelation 12, verse 4, a third of the stars went with Lucifer. That means two-thirds of the stars are still left. Those are angels. In Isaiah 14, verse 12, in the King James, it's written Lucifer. But in all the modern translations, it's written Star of the morning, morning star. Lucifer was a star. But who else is called a star? Jesus Christ himself, Revelation twenty two sixteen. He is a star. He's also the sun because he is the light of the world. So when, the, when God says that he will make us to be stars, what he means is that in some way we can share the beauty and glory of God. As in 2 Peter chapter 1 when it says, you will be partakers of the divine nature. How can that be? That we could take part in Christ's divine nature. He will make his evangelists to bear some of his glory in such a way that the only right word for it will be a star. They will be dazzling. Amazingly, converted sinners like you and I 
can devote ourselves to soul winning and bear the glory of God in greater beauty and majesty than ever we had on earth. The only reason the prosperity gospel and the prosperity preachers speak about this earth is because they don't believe teachings like this. Why would you ever tell people to think about a Toyota Fortuner when you can tell them to think about becoming a star? God is very rich with his gifts. He has promised dazzling, dazzling rewards. He does not give small things. In 1 Corinthians 15, 41, it says, one star differs from another star in glory. The stars are not the same in their glory, reminding us that God's children will not be the same in the rewards that they receive in heaven. Revelation twenty two twelve. Behold, I come quickly. My reward is in my hand, and I give to everyone according to his work. There is a teaching going around that says there are no rewards in heaven. Heaven itself is the reward, and everyone who gets there gets the same plate of food, like being at a funeral. Have you ever gone through, and they serve the food for you, and they give you the plate, and everyone gets the same But the Bible teaches clearly, some will be stars and some will not. And stars can differ from stars. To all God's children, he provides some blessings and rewards. But to some of his children, he provides extra rewards. Godly pastors receive a crown that no one else receives, 1 Peter 5 verse 4. Godly Christians rule the earth. Revelation 2, verse 27. And here, godly Christians will shine like stars. Now, I wonder if you caught something that I said earlier on. I said that godly Christians will shine like stars receiving unending honor. Did you think to yourself... How can that be that we would go to heaven and get honor for ourselves? I thought we only glorify God. How is it possible in this way? As a star, a believer will be raised up in glory and position, but not in any way so as to allow for pride. For two reasons. Number one, God will at that time remove from your heart every sinful motive. And number two, your light will be reflective like the light of the moon. The moon has nothing to boast in because he gets everything from the sun. And you as a star will have nothing to boast in because all your light is from the sun of righteousness. All your light will be entirely borrowed. And the real dignity and glory comes from the source. So for those of God's people who labor most at this despised, discouraging, exhausting, thankless task of evangelism. And if you have ever tried to evangelize, don't you know that's the way it is? Despised, 
neglected, difficult, thankless task. When you labor at that, he will so deal with you that all the world will marvel at the light that he puts on you. And the fools and the worldlings who play musical instruments or who sing or who act on TV or on movies and who are today called movie stars, rock stars, those fools will be forgotten in the blink of an eye at the last trump for the trumpet will sound and we will be raised incorruptible and then it will be seen who the stars are and whoever the big names are of today, they will be forgotten and they will be objects of your pity instead of objects of your admiration. So let us get it into our hearts now that we will set our souls on Christ and we will draw men and lead men to Jesus because what else is there? To turn our minds after some movie star who hates Jesus Christ and hates the Bible and loves every kind of sinful perversion. But you will praise him because he entertains you? I ask you now, will not one of these four motives work with you? I just gave you four motives to be a soul winner. And now we enter 2020, 2021 in a few days. Will one of these motives not change you? What did you do in 2020? Will you not say, by God's grace, I will review what I did, and by God's grace, I will be a soul winner in 2021. I will pray and I will fast to that end. If you care about other people, then soul winning will make the world better for them because it increases righteousness. If you care about your brother, soul winning will make him better because it will take him to heaven. If you care about yourself, soul winning will make you a star. If you care about God's glory, it will cause his resplendent beauty and honor to be reflected off of you for all eternity, for himself and his own beauties to be magnified. Do none of these things move you? I know that they do. I know that you came here today because you love God and want to be a Christian. I know that you came here because you want his honor to be known. Then will you not dedicate yourself to being a soul winner by God's grace in 2021? To turn from the world and say, whatever I have of the world, it's done for. By God's help, oh, give me help and I will lead men to Christ. Will you not let these motives sit in your heart on a throne and rule you? Let me close with the third point, the methods. How can we do this? I have four methods. Number one, study those who are soul winners in the Bible and in church history. Look at verse three. It says, and those that are wise and those that turn many to righteousness, those, there's more than one, Who are these people who have turned many to righteousness? Who are these evangelists? Isn't it Peter and John in the temple who gave up their nets? What was happening financially with them? They didn't care if only they could evangelize. Isn't this the Christians in Acts chapter 8 verse 4? They were scattered abroad because of the persecution. While the apostles stayed in Jerusalem, the Christians were scattered and they went everywhere preaching the word. Acts 8 verse 4. 
Isn't this Paul the Apostle the greatest example of evangelism? Acts chapter 13 to 28, those 16 chapters are the description of Paul the Apostle evangelizing. Read through those chapters sometime and mark down every time. Put an E every time you see Paul evangelizing. It's constant. Then read through the epistles as we're going to do this year and mark down every time you see Paul evangelizing in the epistles. Or read biographies of men like Charles Spurgeon, Richard Baxter, John Bunyan. These are the men who were, as John Wesley said, out of breath pursuing souls. So number one, study those who are soul winners in the Bible and church history. Have you read a book from a soul winner? Kids, have you ever read a book about a soul winner or by a soul winner? You could do that, children. This year in 2021, my first method of how to do it is read a book about someone who evangelized. Try that this year. Method number two, pray consistently for divine help. Brothers and sisters, what can I say more than to pray? Ask God to give you that help to make you a soul winner. If I can anticipate what you feel in your heart, I imagine that you think you are, of all the Christian disciplines, least accomplished at prayer. That is, that prayer is the most difficult. I would say that prayer is my most difficult Christian discipline. But can you not this year say, by God's help, I will pray once a week, every Sunday or every Saturday, God, make me a soul winner. And begin that prayer by saying, please forgive me for not looking for souls. Please forgive me for being resting under the green tree while over at the edge of the cliff a waterfall of souls a line unending of men and women stone blind are falling one after another and we're resting in the shade playing with the flowers pray and ask God to forgive you ask him to make you an evangelist I often ask God to let me speak with one person each day about the gospel You might want to pray that for yourself. Method number three. How can you become a soul winner? Think much about future judgment. Think much about future judgment. It's right there in the text. Hebrew, uh, Daniel 12 verse 3 is evangelism, but Daniel 12 verse 2 talks about what? The future judgment. Think much about this. It is hard for me to think that a man loves people, he has love in his heart, and he thinks about judgment, and yet he will not be an evangelist. You say that you love people. I'm sure you do. Everyone says, oh, I love everyone. You say that you have love. Then add to that this ingredient. Put this in the pot with it. Think much about future judgment. If you really have love and you think about future judgment, you must become an evangelist. I can tell you that at 42 years of age, 
When I was 11, 31 years ago, I gave my life to be a missionary after hearing a sermon on future judgment. And for a number of years, I dedicated my life to be an evangelist and a missionary because I thought much of eternal conscious torment. I bless God that he has now revealed other beauties of himself. And now there are many reasons that I'm a missionary and an evangelist. And that I pray all my boys and all my children will be and your children will be. But I cannot deny that the reason I was attracted to the calling of evangelism is Daniel 12 verse 2. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. Some to everlasting life but some to disgrace and everlasting destruction. Method number four, how can you be an evangelist? I close with this today. Speak to others. Speak to others. You cannot lead others to righteousness without talking to them. Starting the nail in the wood is the most difficult part of getting, getting it in with that hammer. Just open your mouth and begin to talk to them. Why don't we speak to people? We are afraid that they will reject us. We are tired. We are busy. We don't know what to say. That's why we don't talk. Are any of those good reasons afraid of rejection? That's not a good reason. Tired and busy, there will be a day when we will say, oh, I wish I had taken strength in God. Not knowing what to say. If you follow these instructions, you will. Pray, read a godly book, think about hell and heaven. Speak to others often. Not only speak to others, but speak to them often. Try every time you make a purchase. Go with those tracts from the church or get other tracts, other flyers. Give them out every time you make a purchase. See if you can empty, put, put a stack of them in your car and see if you can empty that stack every month. I don't have a car. Great. Put them in your bag. Put them in your shirt pocket and put them in your pocket every time you go out and have a stack of 10 and see, let's see if in a month I can get rid of these 10. Every time you make a purchase, give them out. Speak to others. Speak to the same people repeatedly. In general, to lead souls to Christ, you will need to speak to a man for two years or longer. Speak to those who are most likely to be influenced. And here, let me speak to the mothers. Mothers, talk to your children. I can hear someone saying, does it count to, if I, can I count evangelizing my children? Can it count? Nothing counts more than evangelizing your children. Count them twice. Speak to those who are most likely to respond. Your children are the most likely to respond. And if you have no children, or if your children are converted, Aren't there other children around you? Find a child. Start a Bible club. Speak to those who are most likely to be influenced, like visitors at church. Charles Spurgeon often spoke to his Sunday school teachers and the men in his church. 
And he asked them, when you hear me preach, I want you to keep your eyes out all through the church for anyone who's visiting, for anyone who's listening carefully. And when the sermon is done, go ask them, is everything okay with your soul? Can I pray with you? He said one of his Sunday school teachers, a single woman, was his hunting dog. Every time he shot a bird, she went and brought it back. Speak to friends at work. Speak to those with whom you make purchases. The number of books that you have read is not the measure of your wisdom, nor your degrees or certificates, nor your titles. If you fear God, you've opened the door to wisdom, but you are not truly wise unless you lead others to Christ. And I ask you, will you today give yourself to a renewed effort at evangelism in the place that God has called you to? If you say, I'm not like you, Seth, fair enough. Do what you can do where you're at. I'm going to encourage everyone for 2021 to find one person per month. One person per month, a child, a friend, a visitor at church, co-worker, find one person per month. And if you don't know how to find someone, talk to me or go with me on evangelism on Saturdays. I want to encourage everyone here to find one person per month. Write your name, write his name in this Bible reading schedule we're going to give out just now. There's the months, January, February, the whole way through. Put that guy's name in. You can put down more than one, but try for at least one name per month. Speak to them at least once a week about spiritual matters. Text, phone call, visit, nightly prayer with your children. And find a practical way to show that you love them and then pray for them each day of that month. Because the stars in heaven will be the soul winners on earth. Let's bow our heads close our eyes.